Reflections from Torch Trust, focusing on Christian faith and sight loss. Hello and welcome to Reflections, the show from Torch Trust that focuses on faith and disability in today's world. I'm Marilyn Baker and I'll be with you for the next half hour. I'm very excited about today's show because we're going to be joined by the wonderful Lynn Davies as she shares what it was like to train as a journalist and work for the BBC as a blind person. Lynn will be with us in just a few moments. But first, I'd like to share a song with you. This is Candle in the Rain by David Meese. Candles light, like a beacon in the night. 
Now, let's welcome Lynn to the show. Well, it's fantastic to have Lynn in the studio here. And uh, we're going to talk about Lynn's journalism. So what first got you started on the idea of wanting to do journalism? You know, it was pretty random because there was always this expectation that I was going to be a singer and uh, develop as a professional singer. But the way my dad was going on about wanting to be my manager and all of that, I just really did not want that. I didn't necessarily reject being a musician because my professional singing is something that's big for me now. Um, yeah. But back then, it was just I just wanted away from my parents and their influence. And um, and then I was looking at different university courses. I went to this careers fair and I knew I wanted to study abroad and I wanted to study in Australia, actually, just so I could be really far away. <laughs> my um, goodness, well, that's a really relaxing place to study in, wouldn't it? Well, definitely yeah. would be very relaxing. And um, I'm from Norway. And I ended up speaking to a university in Scotland who had a journalism program uh, in Edinburgh Napier. And it looked really interesting. And my mom said to me, well, we know you want to go abroad, but can't you just go to the UK? Because at least it's a little bit closer and we're on the same time zone, And which I did. Ironically, they moved to Malaysia the year after. So I would have been closer to them in Australia. But, uh, <laughs> you, you certainly yeah. would. Uh, and when you went to the university, I mean, how did that go? Did you have all the resources you needed? I didn't. There was a lot of goodwill and I was convinced that I was going to do brilliantly because I had I liked writing, um, I liked creative writing, and I was very much into um, journalism at that point. Like I'd really, really come into the idea of being a journalist at that point. The problem was there were a few things that made it difficult for me. So first of all, I didn't have the books for the academic part of the course which meant I failed the academic subjects. Most books had to be kind of made for me. And uh, I didn't know if I could get grants from Norway to do that because Nor Norway actually has a very high level kind of book production system. Um, um, but I didn't know that. I didn't research that. I didn't quite know my own needs because, mind you, I'd gone through school and my parents had always been fighting for my needs. And... I had to learn. It was, a, it was a very, very steep learning curve for me. Um, mm. So it wasn't just the academic. My command of the English language was very good, but obviously it, there were gaps, and I was in Scotland, so you can imagine the additional... Yes, I mean, you had to understand the accent as well, didn't you, in Scotland? <laughs> so that was That different. was really hard, yes. Yeah, uh, right. And at the same time, let's not forget about living on my own for the first time. I mean, as a blind yeah. person as well, there are just things that um, we can do everything pretty much as we as sighted people, but it just takes longer. And it's, a, again, a steeper learning curve. So Exactly, because, I mean, year, you've got to do all sorts of things like cooking for yourself or, you know, sorting everything out. Did you have student accommodation? I did, and there was one time I will never forget. I was having breakfast, and I was in a hurry, and I put the cereal bowl full of milk and rice krispies down, forgotten where it was, knocked it over, and it <laughs> all came down to the carpet. And I didn't really have time to clean it because I was going to a lecture. Oh, and the, no. ugh, yeah, so I mean, well, we all know what that's like. <laughs> yes. We yeah. know what that's I mean, like, don't we? How do you we? clean milk and rice krispies as a blind person from a carpet? I still <laughs> not easy, is it? That question. No, you're quite um, right. Uh, but you did graduate in the end, didn't you? 
even I though did, you said you failed. because after that exhausting first year, well, after the first term, when I failed everything, I just realized, you know, we need to do something. I liaised with all the lecturers I had and I explained what had happened and probably how. And um, we um, worked together. They gave me their lecture notes on the understanding that I wasn't going to give them to any other students, which I would have never done. <laughs> Um, I learned how to do more research. My English got better. I actually got a really good Norwegian friend who was in the year above me, who was very happy to help with oh, academic great. books and essay writing. Mm. So, and he got yeah. really good marks. And, and um, well, you know, well, I, I remember, you know, when I was at the Royal College of Music, it was through friends helping me because I couldn't get the music at the time that I needed. So that and that's was, a problem, you know, isn't it? A, a problem. It's getting better, I think, now because of all the digital age we're in. But after you finished, what did you decide to go into? So I wanted to work for the BBC. That was my big dream. And I applied to the BBC Extend Scheme, which offers six months paid employment to disabled people in the BBC. And then you can continue working for the BBC, but like you have to kind of get employed by them. Once you've done your six months it's really as to how good you are then after that as to whether they employ you isn't it that's right mm. so when my six months came to an end and it took me a while to get in I, I had a couple of failed interviews in the meantime I was working as a waitress for the Dans le Noir the Dining in the Dark in London and I was writing for, for magazines freelance pieces and eventually I got into the BBC uh, and I stayed on as well and first I was a casual for BBC World Service, which I actually really enjoyed. And in hindsight, I should have stayed as a casual in that department because I would eventually have gained a proper contract. But I was young and dumb and I got uh, offered a two-year contract with um, children because uh, I had been doing my extended placement at Blue Peter. And uh, I chose the contract I paid regularly rather than the thing I was really passionate about. And I do kind of regret that now, but I still had loads of good experiences working for BBC Children. It's such a good achievement, that is. We'll be hearing more from Lynn very soon. But first, it's time for our thought for the week. This week's thought was written by Michael Stafford, a former Torch employee and volunteer. It's read to us by Michael Heaney, another former staff member. This week, Michael is thinking about family trees. Many people these days are keen on tracing their family tree, fascinated with the prospect of finding out who their ancestors were and whether they were famous. Sometimes, far from being famous, they discover skeletons in the cupboard. Some years ago, I began researching my own family tree. This became easier when my wife and I moved to work with Torch Trust in Leicestershire, where my ancestors had been located. It was a short journey to go to the Leicester Record Office and look without charge at parish registers and other documents. I succeeded in tracing ancestors back to the 18th century, but eventually ran into a brick wall, as a vital link record was not to be found. And there I left it until I later discovered that a distant family member had succeeded in getting back as far as the 11th century actually to a man named Roger de Tonnen, who was a cousin of William the Conqueror and had taken part in the Battle of Hastings. Because of his valour, he was created Baron of Stafford by the Conqueror. 
and this long family tree tied up with what I had myself discovered, so I believe it's valid. But why do we want to know about our long-dead ancestors? I think it all boils down to relationships. They are our flesh and blood. Their genes are passed on to us, and in some respects we may share some of their characteristics, good or bad. There is a good deal of scepticism regarding religion these days, which is no surprise seeing that religion seems to have been at the back of so much warfare and terrorism. Christianity is, of course, regarded as a religion, but it would be more true to call it a relationship. It's not a matter of laws and rituals, but of a connection with God through Jesus Christ, even to the extent that true Christians can call God Father. There's a world of a difference between a religion and a relationship. The one can be nominal, cold and academic. The other is warm, loving and containing a family aspect. It also has the advantage of communication. We can talk to God in prayer and he can talk to us through his word in the Bible. John, in one of his letters in the Bible, says, See how very much our Heavenly Father loves us, for he allows us to be called his children, and we really are.
was Rachel Lamper with Remedy. Now it's time for Lynn to join us once more. In the end, you changed your location again, didn't you? Yeah, at this point, my mum had died and uh, from from um, colon cancer. My dad had been diagnosed with the same cancer and he wanted me to move back. And I was kind of like, I felt like I was at a bit of a crossroad because the children's department was moving up to Manchester. I knew I wasn't ready to relocate. And uh, I felt this immense pressure to come to Norway. And I was there for a bit. Um, and uh, I did a master's program at the University of Oslo in Nordic media, which is basically a fancy word for media studies with like one subject called Nordic media. But they have a Norwegian English and an English speaking degree. And I did the English speaking one because at that point I lived in the UK for so long that I just felt more comfortable doing academic stuff in English. That's fantastic. Now, you actually did some broadcasting while you were there, didn't you? I did. So there's a student radio there called Radio Nova. and they are broadcasting on like the, the regular network, so you can listen to Radio Nova anywhere. Is it um, an online station, or you mean it's on on mainstream? It's online now, but back then it was it was mainstream and mm-hmm. online. In the well, as far as online had had become, yeah. um. So yeah, it's it's everywhere. Um. So it's a station that was very easily accessible. There was an application process. I got right in because I had worked for the BBC and. Yeah, I started working for the new current affairs program, which was produced every Friday. Now that's Friday. quite a responsibility, I think. How media portray people and how media portray situations really colours people's views on everything, doesn't it? Oh, it does. Um, and I think so. that's so important. It's quite a responsible job because I've realised myself that I'm greatly influenced by what the media says, and yet sometimes it's not not always right just to be having just that one view. Um, flung into your face you know what do you feel about that with media yeah I I feel like there's a difficult question to answer because on the one hand and this is it's different now than it was 10 years ago when I was part of radio Uh um, because I think there's more and more uh, emphasis on journalists getting a story sometimes there are ways getting to those stories that might not always be uh, the cleanest and most moral or ethical ways. No. no so there is always the, the question of being being moral and ethical and sort of feeding your family. And sometimes that's a hard choice to make. Yes. And sometimes you do something or you put a certain angle to a case that you not necessarily might not want to do, but you have to for some reason. But then there are other times you really can tell a story in a way that you would love to as a journalist. Mm. I think it is important to try and be honest in that. And you did a program, a documentary you made, didn't you, on on people in Korea um, who had various faiths. Um, so this is people who had who, whose faith was influencing their career. So I started with Christianity, and I interviewed a very sort of fundamentalist Christian politician. It was very hard line and very. Mm-hmm. God has rules, and if you don't follow those rules, you will suffer. Yeah. Um, then you had we had a deacon from the Norwegian church, and then I had a Dominican sister. Um, she was a practicing nun and living in like a, a convent and everything, and she was a physics teacher as well. So there was a lot of talk about like science and how that fitted in with with religion and how she kind of managed to 
have them both in her head and harmonize that and it was a really really interesting conversation oh, it would have been so interesting um, so has that given you a taste now for the future you do you want to create more documentaries do you think i definitely want to do that i would like to be an independent documentary producer and pitch to or work for smaller companies that pitches to the likes of the bbc world service for example and uh, i am and I'm working on soon launching my own personal podcast, which I won't say too much about in at this stage. But, you know, the more I produce, the more I have in my portfolio, the more my ideas are going to carry weight with big production companies as well. You actually did some writing for um, Torch's Christmas broadcast, didn't you, on Reflections? I Yeah, I was Mary in that. So I was, uh, I wrote my parts. And uh, so I've always also wanted to do voice acting, which really doesn't have anything to do with journalism. Acting, Radio 4, afternoon plays, things like that. Oh, I used to love that. It's exciting, isn't it? Very exciting. And Mary was my first go at doing that. I mean, I have been part of, well, we made like radio style plays when I was a child living in Norway for the magazine for blind kids that we had um, so i have done it before but this is the first time i've done it as an adult well you know we wish you all the very best i think you've got an exciting future ahead of you and you've also got the other bow to your string your music um because you are a really lovely singer and um perhaps our listeners will be hearing more of you in the future but really you've got some wonderful gifts there and we want to wish you all the very best in what you're doing thank you and i just i feel blessed that i have so many alleys in which i can use my creativity because i feel like it's it's all one and the same things it's just, they just come out and in different ways so through singing or through through documentaries or through stories or so i feel very privileged to have been um, given so many ways of expressing my creativity fantastic it's lovely chatting to you and I'm sure we're going to hear a lot more from you in the future.
And that was Lynn singing her blessing song. Well, I'm sorry to say that we're all out of time for today. We do hope you've enjoyed being with us for this last half hour. Torch offers a range of services for blind and partially sighted people, including our fantastic Torch Together holidays. We've just a few spaces left on our holiday programme for this year, which includes breaks in Scarborough, Grange over Sands and a special short retreat at Torch House. If you have sight loss and are interested in joining one of these spiritually refreshing breaks or you'd like to learn more about any of our services then do get in touch with our lovely client services team. The number to call is 01858 438 260 that's 01858 438 260 or you can email info at torchtrust.org Until next week from me, Marilyn and everyone on the Reflections team goodbye and God bless You've been listening to Reflections from Torch Trust Torch Trust